0: got a prayer card here we're going to read and then we're also going to, I gotta, we'll open up in a word of prayer and we're just thanking the Lord for what he's done for this morning service and how the Lord uh, just blessed us and let's be praying that he'll do the same tonight. This is from Melody and Tim Lesjar, it says please pray for our family, our extended family. Uh, their son's wedding is on June the 24th and they have family traveling in to be here for that and then all of the things that go along with stress, uh, with the planning of a wedding. And so they said, please keep them in prayer. And then I want you to be in prayer for my Uncle David. He's recovering from his heart surgery, but they're having some trouble, some difficulty with his heart, uh, keeping it in rhythm. So he's going to be headed back to the doctor this week. Please be lifting him up in prayer. I know that he'll appreciate that. So we're going to open up in a word of prayer this evening. Uh, I'm going to ask Jason, if he would, to stand right where he is and open us up in a word of prayer.
1: Sunday night and we certainly appreciate you being here. I hope you've had a great day. Uh, I've had a marvelous day and I praise the Lord for that and uh, we had great friends over uh, for lunch today we had Moises and uh, Abby with us uh, for their uh, really the last uh, time for us to all be together before they leave they go back tomorrow please be in much prayer for them they'll be flying back to Panama. Uh, Tomorrow afternoon, they'll be going to the airport in the morning, so remember them in prayer as they go back, uh, and their uh, ongoing work for the Lord, uh, where they are, they're making such a powerful impact, uh, and so we appreciate that, and then we had my family there, Uh, Michael and Andrea were there, and my wife uh, fixed uh, a Mexican uh, feast, uh, and it was tremendous, it was really good, we enjoyed it, and then, Uh, We had uh, Johnny Davis and his wife, they're missionaries with the Gospel uh, Preacher Association. They're missionaries uh, out in uh, Montana Wyoming, I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, keep, I keep shooting too far south. So they're, 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 uh, uh, they're out there in the west, and they've been serving there for many years. And he's going to lead us in prayer in just a moment. And I'm actually going to ask him to take just a minute or two uh, tell a little bit about his ministry and introduce his wife. And uh, we're just really thrilled to have uh, him with us this weekend. Uh, and he actually came out uh, to be with us to see a little bit about the ministry and the work since it's moved up here. Uh, from uh, from down in Lawrenceville, Georgia and we've moved the office up here so he's going to get a chance to view a little bit of that this week and we appreciate that because he will not be able to make it make it for our regular uh, camp meeting in the fall so we're, this would be a good opportunity for him to uh, to be with us for a time. I just want to mention really one thing, June Fellowship meeting is June the 24th at the Fellowship Campground June the 24th at the Fellowship Campground and I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Ben Dixon is preaching and. Uh, redeemed is singing, so that's going to be a great, great night over at the campground. You're not going to want to miss that. There's all kinds of other things in the bulletin in the way of announcements, but they're not within the next few weeks, and uh, uh, the, the next one is actually July the 2nd. So you've got plenty of time to pick up your announcement bulletin, take it with you, keep it with you, uh, and take a really, really good look at it. And then I thought I'd mention something else uh and uh I'll mention this while the ushers come for the evening offering and while Johnny makes his way uh, down here to lead us in prayer and give us a little word or two so come on down Johnny but uh every Sunday morning at um at the uh, Grand Ole Opry they have a gospel singing time and uh for those of you who might happen to know uh Bucky and the Boys, <laughs> uh, Chosen Road, uh, was featured there this morning at the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, so uh, just uh, our congratulations to them for that opportunity. And uh, Zach Alveson said he never would have dreamed that he would stand on that stage and proclaim Christ to that crowd uh, there. And so we're just thrilled for them, what the Lord's doing in in them and through them. Johnny, come on around, give us a, a word of testimony, and then lead us.
2: Well, folks, I appreciate the opportunity to be here and be able to feel God's presence. We do enjoy that. Uh, we're missionaries of the Gospel Church Association, as has been mentioned. Uh, we serve seven years in the country of Moldova. Uh, we are praying for those people there. We know those people in this war between Russia and Ukraine. They're right there. So do continue to pray for them. Uh, after we finished that calling, the Lord called us to Wyoming, and it is a dry place, and uh, I'm not talking about the desert. It is a dry place spiritually Uh, People are so hard out there Uh, in Moldova. We actually had hundreds saved in Wyoming It's few a very dry place spiritually, but that's where the Lord's called us to Uh, it takes years They will not just accept you in they've got to get to know you first And then they will hear what you have to say, but you got to prove yourself to them Uh, But again as I say, it's a very slow work out there Uh, Do pray for us while we reach out there. We want to plant churches Uh, While we reach out there uh, we've had a bit of a setback lately Uh, We're going to be talking to the pastor about that to try and move forward from that But we want to see souls saved a church planted a place where people can come find Jesus Christ Find the scripture according to the word of God not the ideas of men And there is a lot of that out there and it's a lot of religion It is a lot of uh, I'll do it my way and Sundays There's a separate day and I'll be a Christian on Sunday the rest of the week doesn't matter so we need to be able to reach out to them. So do pray for us on that work. Uh, Pastor mentioned my wife. Uh, I'll have my wife Sabra stand. That's my wife Sabra Davis. Uh, so again, Sabra means restful, and we're hoping she'll live up to that. So, but uh, do, do pray for us in that work out there. Uh, our children we're pretty much now finally empty nesters overall. Uh, again, so uh, the Lord has... Uh, kind of made it where we can go forward with his work. Uh, we wanted to come here and consult again with Brother Gary and some things with the GPA so that we might be able to serve God as he would have us to. So uh, do pray for us in the work there. We want to see souls saved and churches planted. Uh, Let's pray, Uh, as is mentioned here. Lord, we come to you today. We do thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we do thank you for your presence we've already felt uh, this morning. Uh, Lord, it is so nice to come rest in your house, dear Heavenly Father. It is so wonderful to be able to fellowship with your people, dear Lord, and we thank you so much for that. Uh, Lord, we do pray now for this service tonight lord the prayer requests that have been mentioned uh, those that are sick lord we know you are the great physician and lord we do pray again that you would give uh, the pastor freedom tonight and what he needs to do i pray you give freedom for the word of god i pray that you would open hearts uh, that they might receive what that word has for us dear heavenly father and lord i do pray for those certainly in a crowd this size has people that are lost i pray you touch their heart for the need of salvation Uh, lord we don't know how much time we have lord we live in the days of noah and the days of lot and Lord, again, I pray, dear Heavenly Father, they realize that the time is close, dear Heavenly Father. So I pray you touch hearts tonight. Lord, we do ask again that your favor and blessings in the service. We do pray now for the offering that you'd be blessed to be able to further your, God, your gospel. And Lord, we thank you for this time. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
3: There is a name I love to hear, I love to see, its words. Come on up in this last verse. It tells of one whose loving heart can.
4: Thank you.
0: And we thank the Lord for His goodness on us all day. He's been blessing us. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of Haggai. We're going to go to Haggai this evening. We've been making our way through the minor prophets and asking the Lord to help us, and He's been so gracious to us, that's for sure. It's been absolutely wonderful, at least for me anyway, as we've been preaching through them and just seeing what God has for us in those books, reminding us. Uh, sometimes it's not easy, the things he's reminding us in these books. But we definitely need it, and we want to grow in our Christian walk, and we need all of the Word of God. I just want to read one, uh, one verse in Haggai, and then uh, we're going to make mention of quite a few of them. We're going to move back and forth throughout several different verses reading. And, uh, and again, we're going with, a, with more of a grand scheme we're not diving into certain passages of, of it and, and really doing a deep dive. This is just helping us to move through these so that we've got a better understanding because often they're not they're, we don't hear a lot of preaching on them uh, and uh, we just want to ha- make sure that we've got a good grasp of what's going on so we can use them in our daily life. And there is a lot in there. But I want us to read Haggai chapter 1, verse number 7. So if you found that, stand with me. We'll read that one verse, and then we'll ask the Lord to help us tonight. Haggai chapter 1, verse number 7, the Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to come into your house. Dear Lord, we want to take the advice of the prophet and to consider our ways. Lord, this is a question that we need to come and look in our own life and look in our own heart often and say, God, what are we doing for you? What What has happened because of the way that we have lived? Is it time to make a change in our life? Are there things that we should do differently? Dear God, help us tonight as we take this time and look through these passages of Scripture and see what your word has for us and and how we can apply it to our own life this evening. Dear God, we understand, or or some of us already do, what this book is about. So help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to use it in the correct way tonight. But help us to get what we need for the hour. We're not necessarily looking for something new. What we are looking for is for the word of God to speak into our heart. And it's so often, dear God, that we just don't let the Word of God do the work it needs to do in our heart and in our life. So God, help us this evening as we look into it. In your holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I got a lot of things uh, about this small little book that, uh, that we could talk about. Uh, there's definitely, it's two chapters, two chapters. This, can, this is quite amazing with some of these minor prophets, just how much they can do. And how much they can say. But this one is definitely that way. Uh, and one of, the reasons, one of the things I want you to take note of is as we move through the book, so in verse number 7 that we just read, and if you'll back up in verse number 5, you'll notice that the same question or same thing is being said. Not It's not a question. It doesn't have a question mark. We've we got to be careful with that. The same statement is being made by the Lord. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And then again in verse number 7, he says the same statement. And then if we go over to chapter number 2, and if we move over to verse number 15, he says this, I pray you consider from this day and, and upward. So he's like, I want you to think about it now and for the future. I want you to take account of what's going to happen now. And then if you go down to verse number 18, he says, Consider now from this day and upward. So there is definitely a theme inside of the book of Haggai that I want you to consider what you have done and where that has brought you. And then I want you, basically what you're going to see is, is he's saying, listen, I want you to do it God's way and then start taking a new accounting of what's going on when God is in your life. That's a good thing to do. Amen? Take a look and say, what has my own way gotten me? What is going my own route and doing my own thing? What have I received from that? Consider your ways from all of that stuff. But then, now that you have turned to God and you're going to live for God, I want you to think and I want you to start counting what God has done in your life from now upward, from now forward. Boy, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Amen? I'll tell you, he, doesn't, he makes a change in our life. But what I also, I just want you to keep that in your mind, that he's got that in there, okay? It's right there, you got that, right? That's an easy concept to grasp. Before, remember B.C. and A.D. Amen. There you go. That's all you got to remember. Now, I want you to jump back, and I want us to think about this passage of scripture. What's going on in the book of Haggai? What's different? We're going to give a little bit of the context. Make sure that we're in to this. As we get to the book of Haggai, it is a prophet that is speaking after that uh, they have returned from the exile. We've been talking about all of these books of the prophecy where the prophet is coming out and being like, hey, if you don't get right, Babylon's coming, Assyria's coming. It's going to happen to you. And even though they didn't believe the prophets and sometimes they would change for a while, you remember all that stuff. We know that they're carried away into exile and they're in exile for 70 years. But Haggai is a prophet that is prophesying after they have returned. And if you go through, you're going to find that Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, you're also going to find that this book of the Bible uh, goes right along with the book of Ezra. Remember, this is all the study that you can do on your own, remember? So that you see the contemporaries, you understand who is writing at the same time. I don't have to do that homework for you, but I'm just giving you the context tonight. Maybe something will tweak your interest and you're going to go uh, and study that out more deeply for yourself. But here we see a passage of scripture that we are seeing that they are talking about After the exile, so it is a completely different scenario that Haggai is speaking to as opposed to all of these other prophets that we have been reading about in the Minor Prophets. It's so vastly different. As a matter of fact, it's different for quite a few things. Number one, it's different because, just like we said, this is the group that has returned from Babylon and from Assyria. And the Bible tells us that only a few people return. I think our pastor was making note of that the other day in some of the preaching that he has done. And so we look at this and we see that because they have been in the land of Babylon, they've been in the land of Assyria for a long time, that only a few. Things are different. If you remember, and again, I just want to make sure that you've got some of the context of it it started to turn out for the Israelites and for the people in this captivity that it really, in their eyes, wasn't so much of a captivity anymore because there were people like the Assyrians who were smart, who said, hey, let's bring you into our our empire by force, but then we're going to assimilate you. And you're going to realize that, guess what? It's pretty good in the empire, right? There's big houses. There's good jobs. And they also found out, we already know, that for so many of these people, the Jewish people were good workers. They were good people to have around. And so they assimilated into the culture and into the lifestyle. And they found wealth. They found happiness. They found things that they enjoyed. And so when there is a decree that they can go back to the land, a lot of people are like, "Mm, I don't think I really need to go back to, to Israel. I don't think I need to go back to that place. It, I mean, I understand I got roots there, but I, I don't really feel that. But boy, there was a remnant of God's people who had a holy calling inside of them, who had something that, that, that was bigger than them, they, they felt an urge, they felt a move that pulled them and drew them towards that place. I bet a lot of them said to themselves, I don't even know why we're going back, but we're going back. And this is the remnant that goes back. Now I say all of that to say this. I want you to think about this, that God in His infinite wisdom and His divine Uh, authority and all that he does, he keeps painting for us a more and more beautiful picture of what it means to be saved. Does he not? He does. So we have all of these Israelites who were called out of Egypt, right? That's the first group. And this is a little bit of background, but I hope you'll stay with me so that we can kind of make these connections as we move through this. So the pre-exile people are all Israelites who had been brought out of Egypt. Egypt was bad and they all knew it, didn't they? There wasn't a one of them that wanted to stay in Egypt. They wanted out, they needed out, and Moses came in and with the mighty hand of God, the deliverance of God was shown. Nobody could deny what God did, amen? even if they denied it when they left out of Egypt with a high hand and Pharaoh came after them, it was undeniable when the Red Sea swallowed up the armies of Pharaoh. Everybody knew and everybody came out. Amen? Amen. But now it's different. Now we see that guess what? They are in exile again. They're brought into captivity. But their but they're, they're captors are a lot smarter than the Egyptians and have done a good job. Satan gets smarter all the time. Okay? Just in case you were wondering, he is not all knowing. Did you know that? He's not. He's not all powerful. Is he more powerful than you? Yes. Is he more powerful than me? Yes. But he's not all-powerful, he doesn't know everything, he's learning too. And he sees our world and what's going on. He sees what trips up the Christian and what holds the Christian up. He sees what really does a good job at keeping us from God. And he sees the things that work very subtly as well. And so we see that it's almost as if his knowledge of the people grows. And here, instead of holding them under this tight bondage, he gives them a resemblance of freedom inside of the place that they are captive in. And because of that, there's not many that want to go out. And I said all of that to just say this. I really believe that when we look at the scriptures and when we look at this, What we go through in the call to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ is a whole lot more similar to the post-exile Jew than the pre-exile Jew. Are you following that? Okay? Because guess what? Living in the world has pleasures for a season. Right? You know what we're calling people out of? Most of the time, now I understand I'm going to witness to folks that, that face drug addiction and their life is gone uh, and, and everything's terrible for them. I'm going to witness to them every once in a while and so are you. But the vast majority of people that I'm going to witness to and that you're going to witness to have a pretty good life. You got that? They don't understand what you're talking about. Being saved being called out, what do I need to be saved from? That's what the the Jew in Assyria is looking at. Why do we need to go back there? What is there for us left? It's already been destroyed. Why do I need to be a Christian? That is an antiquated way of living your life. That's what that is. That's old news. That's how people a long time ago used to get help, you know, because those people weren't uh, as uh, as advanced as we are and know as much that we do about the mind and about everything else. They didn't have any clue. And so all of these things deter them from coming to Christ and knowing Christ. But you know what's wonderful about it is that for many of us, there was something that the Holy Spirit did in our hearts and life And some of us just couldn't help coming to Jesus Christ. There was a calling inside of us. There was a deep urge. There was something that was bigger than us. A longing to be a part of a people who had a land. And we didn't even know that we had a land. We wanted something more. That deep calling came to us. We're thankful that it did. But when I look at this, I see... Something that is powerful. And again, I am not going, even though I kind of already did belabor the point, I'm not going to belabor it anymore except to say this. You can do some deep, rich studying into these post exile Jewish people who were coming back and to answer a call for God. They look a whole lot more like us as believers in this modern age than we could ever realize. They were fighting some very similar battles. This is what we fight today. We fight this battle to, to, to be comfortable. And we fight this battle to, uh, uh, to, to get laxadaisical about our Christian life. And all of these things become true. And so, here in the book of Haggai, I'm going to get to really what is the main point of it and just hit these points real quick but I want those things to be in your mind. What? Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now, I really do need to read some of this so that we can uh, get... Let, let's, go, let's go down there uh, to verse number 2. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Just in case you were wondering, you might already have a little bit of understanding about Haggai. This is the main theme of the book of Haggai. That the people have come back. They've come back to the land. But God's house, the temple, has not been built yet. And guess what? God's got a problem with that. Okay? His house is more important than your house. Got that one? His house is more important than your house. You might say, well, where were they supposed to live? Can God not take care of them? Amen. Can God not take care of you? He can. Absolutely He can. And God had a problem. And He sent Haggai to speak to it. Here's what he said. Verse number 3. This is what God says through him. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lay waste? That's the question. Is it time for you to be over there in your houses that you made sure were nice first? You got all your stuff put together right, but my house, the house of God, the temple of Jehovah is laying in waste. Is that right? And then there's our verse. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. There it is in a nutshell. God's house is laid at waste. While you make sure all of your stuff is taken care of, looks good, and everything is fine. And God stops and says, I want you to consider your ways. How's that working out for you? Are you getting the point? You get it, right? If we neglect God's house, all right, I'm going to go ahead and spell out the application for you, okay? If we neglect God's house, if we are unfaithful to His house being built, being honored, being put in the place that it should be, while we spend all of our time, and and you can can make a metaphor out of it if you want, but I don't even think it is a metaphor. (laughs) And we literally spend all of our time making our homes as comfortable as we possibly can. But we spend little time worrying about God's house. God has a problem with that. Amen. He's got a problem with that. He had a problem with it then and he has a problem with it now. And then you can go down the line and make all the metaphors that you want to. Because guess what? They all apply as well. I'm going to make one of them for you real quick because I can't believe, I can't even get, well I'm kind of the first one, but... We are, are, this body is the temple of the living God. Amen? This body is the temple. That's the next one that you would go to and make. And how about it when we spend our time just fulfilling the desires of our flesh, doing what we want, making sure that we feel good, that we've got everything that we need, and all of that, what? Know ye not? That you are to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You are not your own, even your body. But we worship this, not like a temple to God, but we worship it like a temple to ourselves. Saying, how much pleasure can I get out of it when this is to do the work of God? These are His hands, His feet. Here am I, Lord. Send me. The temple that has been indwelled by the Holy Spirit is to be this. Not to minister to me, but to go out. And if we leave this lay it waste, and we do not, and we support it only for us, God has a problem with that. Consider your ways. In other words, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? He starts to use language that we're very, very familiar with, doesn't he? Verse number six. Ye have sown much and bring in little. You worked really hard, didn't you? Doing all that stuff for yourself, but there wasn't much fruit in it, was there? Mm. We've seen this before, haven't we? The prophets like this type of stuff. You planted vineyards, but you didn't get to drink the wine from it, did you? You did this over there. You built houses, but you didn't even get to live in them. This is the same time. Here he says, maybe you got a little bit, but you didn't get a whole lot. He says, there it is. Ye have sown much, but you bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. drink. Ye clothe, But there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Wow. Folks working and working and working to put away all the money that they can into a bag with holes. Not taking any of it with you. And let's just, just check him on his stuff. Consider your ways. Is it making you happy or is it stressing you out? Hmm. Is it filling your belly or do you always want more? Is it really satisfying you? You're living your life, and hey, this this is a simple task, isn't it? Consider your ways. Look at all you've been doing. Look at how it's been going. Is it working out for you? Verse number seven. He bookends it. He bookends chapter, or verse number six, with that twice. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. There's point number one. It's time to build his house. It's time to build his house. I have all kinds of things in here all kind of thing, but I am not going to go through them. There's no way that we got the time for that. But I just want us to look at point number one. Listen, when it comes to, here it is, we, we've already got it rolling down. This is amazing how this rolls down. We are post-exile Jews, like in a type, that are drawn by the world, that are drawn by the comforts, that are constantly wondering where we're going to find happiness and contentment. And the Lord is saying, You are leaving, you are forgetting my house. How's that working out for you? Boy, that applies right here, doesn't it? When we forget Him, how does that work out for our families? Right? How does that work out for our relationships with each other? How does that work out, mom and dad, with your relationship with your children? When everything else is first, because you're more concerned about building your house. But may I remind you, Psalm 127, Except the Lord, build the house. They that labor, labor in vain. He said, my house is laying in waste. I'm glad you think you got everything under control, but how's that really working out for you? It doesn't really satisfy, does it? God is not mocking. He's not. And I don't want to come off that way this evening. But it's a straightforward question from the word of God. Consider your ways. Okay? Now, let's keep moving. Okay? Let's go to chapter 2. Let's remember this, what he says here. Verse number 3. Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory... This is an important part of the book of Haggai. He's saying, some of you are worried about the fact that this is not going to be as grand as Solomon's temple. He's asking, who saw it in its own glory? Then he says, and how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? He's like, I understand. You think this is nothing compared to the temple that Solomon built. But then he goes on here. And he speaks right to the men that are working. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord. And be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, with the Lord. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. Let's keep reading. According to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt. God is a God of His word, amen. He's going to do what He said. So my spirit remaineth among you, fear not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, And I will shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, And the desire of nations shall come, and I will fill this house with the glory, saith of the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory, here you go, of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember what we said is so wonderful about the prophets? Is they can do two things at once. Here, Haggai is talking about the fact that you're going to build this and the Lord is going to fill it and it's going to be great. But he's also talking about a day that is coming when the heavens and the earth and the seas are going to be shaken and God's glory will be known. And God's full glory will enter into the temple. And guess what? In that future kingdom, the glory of it is going to be the light that shines the entire world. uh, And everyone will know the glory of the latter temple is going to be far superior than anything Solomon ever built or anybody ever did. God is going to do a great work right out of this place. What is he saying? I know that you're listening to me tonight. You're like, Mike, what are you talking about? Keep your eye on the future. What future? The kingdom of heaven. What God is doing. Listen, I'm going in in, uh, that thing we do on Tuesday night. uh, Youth group. In youth group, I'm going through... The book of Matthew, kingdom of heaven. Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven more than he talks about anything else in the book of Matthew. This is out of his mouth. Also, I have one of my grandfather's Bibles and if there's one thing I remember my grandfather telling me over and over is think about the kingdom of heaven. He did that all the time to me. I don't know if he did that with you, but for some reason I remember distinctly and you'll be okay if I go down memory lane for two seconds, right? I remember distinctly taking him to the mission to preach for the mission, and they loved it, but on the ride home, he kept talking to me about the kingdom of heaven, and he said, he said, this is more important than I think any of us realize. Boy, I don't know why, but it's hitting me home lately that guess what? The kingdom of heaven is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back again, and he's going to set up his kingdom on this planet. Well, and the new Jerusalem. Anyway, let's not get into all of that tonight. But he's coming back. He's going to reign from Jerusalem. And the whole world will know he is king of kings and Lord of lords. His glory will be unsurpassed in everything that he does. That is what we're looking forward to. The kingdom of heaven is also right now in the fact that when we do the works of God and we speak the works of the future kingdom, that he is bringing people into that kingdom over and over and over. They put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we have to look forward to that. We get discouraged, don't we? We look around and we're like, look at... We're never going to have what we had in the past. Oh, it just, you don't know. Well, whatever you had is not going to be near as good as what we're going to have in glory. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And not only that, guess what? God can do whatever God wants to do. He wants to send revival and plop it down in this place. He can do it. If he wants to, to see 10 people get saved and us live in the joy of the Lord as we make our way home, that's fine with me too. I'll worship him with ten of you. Amen. Because it's about his kingdom. Looking forward to that and and, and understanding what's going on. This is what, And he is building. This is wonderful. He is built. It might look small to the world. It might not look like it's doing much, but it is doing great things. Okay. And then one other thing, and I got to go, and this is a... Warning right from this. To verse number 13. Jump with me over to verse number 13. This is such an interesting thing. This is such... And again, I hope that in some ways you might have been intrigued because each one of these could probably be messages on their own. But I really just wanted to hopefully get you interested in this. In verse number 13, Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And that which they offer there is unclean. And then there it is, verse 15. And now I pray, consider... From this day and upward. He said, the problem with your people, and this is so interesting. we could talk about all this different stuff and you know the separation of the world, the desire of the world. but what he says right here, and he paints this picture and he's telling it to people and it has it's steeped in Judea, uh, Judaism and their law. He says, if a man touches an unclean animal that's dead, a dead animal, and then he comes and he's trying to make an offering, in the temple, is his offering unclean? The priest say, oh yeah, it's unclean. And he says, that's what these people are like. They've got to clean themselves up before they come to worship. Hmm. They've got to clean themselves up. Do you want your way to prosper? You're going to have to live a holy life. When you try to, you know skirt and live on the world and, you know, just do the best that you can and do every man what seems right in his own eyes? How's that working out for you? But what I'm asking you, you know what's wonderful about the book of Haggai is they did what he asked. Did you know that? It's one of the few books that they repented and they did what he asked. They put... the Again, there is so much in here. The Bible says that they were filled and they went and they did the work. Did the work. You could preach your message out of that one verse right there. They, had a, they went and they did the work. It's wonderful. But he also said, you've got to be clean before me. Isn't it wonderful that the word of God is still reminding us often that holy living and clean living still matters to God? It still matters to God. Consider your ways. Have you been living unclean? How's that working out for you? Is it helping or is it hurting? And then what he's saying right here, though, is like, come build the house. They had a mind to do it, and they build the house. Live clean for me. Move forward. And now I want you to start a new accounting book. And I want you to start now today that you started living for me and watch and see what God does in your life. Watch and see what God does in your life. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. You know what? For these people, listen, this is is the truth. This is the truth of the Christian life. They chose on purpose to go to a place that was way more difficult than they had to be. That's the reality of the Christian life. Do you realize that this evening? Okay? You know you go to a church that doesn't paint it as health and wealth and prosperity and all that. We try to be as real as we can. Amen? When you signed up to follow Jesus Christ, you were taking up your cross and following him. Amen? Now, will he help you bear that cross? Absolutely he will. As a matter of fact, he made a promise that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Amen? You know what? There's more joy in choosing the discomfort of following Jesus. There's way more joy in that than all of the pleasures of sin for a season in the world. There really is. But I know you made the choice. And I also know that when we get in the thick of it, That when we get in there, and we know this from the book of Ezra and from the book of Nehemiah, that when we set ourselves to building the wall or when we set ourselves to building the temple, that the adversary comes up against us, doesn't he? He says, hey, that's not worth it. Really? I thought he said he would never leave you. It looks like you're doing that all by yourself. You know what? It's time to worship. Amen? But the hard part is, and what's so beautiful about this, is without a clean heart, it's hard to worship. I've been loving some worship on Sunday mornings, amen? I'm telling you, it's wonderful. I don't know about you, but I come in on a Sunday morning exciting and expecting God to do something, amen? You want to know, I believe, one reason why it's so good? I believe that you have some leadership in this church that take that very seriously and are preparing their heart all week and are looking for God to do something, praying, asking for the sermon, asking for the music, asking for God to put the right testimony and the right thing in the right place. And guess what they're also doing? They're living clean out in the world with an upright testimony. They're not perfect, don't get me wrong. But then they come in to worship the Holy One. And it shows, doesn't it? it? shows. What if everybody came in with a clean heart on a Sunday morning, ready to worship? And we might start to see some Holy Ghost fire in here, amen? Might seem a whole lot different. Preparing, considering our ways. I know. I know it gets tough. I know it gets real. But boy, I also love that part. Man, looking forward, looking forward to what God will do. Just a glimpse. It's worth it all, isn't it? To be honest, just to be a part, just to be a part of some of the services that we're a part of down here gives us enough hope that glory is going to be amazing. I mean, it's amazing what God is doing. What a blessing. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. What a powerful book. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come and prepare a hymn of invitation. Actually, he's got a song I want him to sing. You're going to probably know it. I wanted you to sing the chorus with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Dear Lord, what a little book we have here in Haggai. Dear God, we want to thank you for preserving this book for us. So we can come in on a Sunday night and get encouraged. Dear Lord, the last two weeks you've been encouraging me out of this book. Here I read this prophet who spoke the word of the Lord and said, I know that this work is hard. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Oh, it's worth it. Don't get discouraged. Keep living clean. Don't get discouraged. Build my house. Have faith that what I have asked you to do, it's going to be worth it. Dear Lord, help us as we work for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As we stand, they're going to sing. You're going to know the chorus. So sing it
5: along. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of seeing Which mar the chosen one. Bring